I'm all for making employees' lives work better. The question is, if you do that, if you reduce quote-unquote duplication of effort, which I hate that term, but let's say you do do that and they have more capacity, what are they going to do with it? And what limitation does it remove for the customer? And the idea of removing a limitation, it's a concept from Dr. Goldratt that value, real value is when you remove a significant limitation for your customer in a way that wasn't possible before. You give them a new capability that they didn't have. And if you can figure out how all your changes really remove that, great. But you know, you do a reorg and somehow you think that's removing a significant limitation for the customer, it's BS. I'm just gonna call it out. Welcome, everyone, to the Stop Decorating the Fish podcast. I am Randy Cox, your co-host, and sitting across from me is Kristen Cox, my wife. And Chris, we, we have, we've had a little break for the holidays, and then we went straight into some very, very intense travel schedule that you but had. we are back, We're back on a schedule, so thanks for your patience. Yeah. So, Chris, you just got back from giving a speech to a great group of folks in North Carolina mm-hmm. to their sales team, and... One of the one of the topics that you talked about there were a couple of problems, two or three problems that you see organizations have, and you thought we thought maybe that would be it's such an important topic. We thought we maybe cover that in this episode, and so we thought we'll see how this goes. Maybe we can cover all three. Maybe we we get so in depth we might want to cover this in one or two episodes, but we're, we'll see. So the first one, which was the first one you want to talk about, the inward focus? Yeah, let's talk inward focus. Okay, so give give us an overview. What do we what do you mean uh, by that? Well everyone, we're all human and we tend to react to what's right in front of us or the problem that's presenting itself to us specifically. And in government, there's a lot of problems coming out, uh, employees, you know, they, they want to re they're out in the field and they want to enter stuff digitally and not have to do it manually and then replicate it back when they get back to the office. They want to voice record. They want to have a way that the customer doesn't have to call them. They can track where things are and process so that they're not engaged or having to like follow up with the customer. There's a lot of stuff going on that they are experiencing that's very valid and real. And we'll see a lot of organizations do what we call inward-focused initiatives, really focused at building out solutions for the bureaucracy. I see this especially in IT systems a lot. We want to go mobile. We want to go digital. We want to streamline our forms. We don't want to have to enter information in duplicate systems. And those aren't bad things. But you could fix all of that. You could be a chef in a kitchen and line up your kitchen and have it very efficient and still not deliver the meal that the customer asked for and came to your restaurant. Maybe you designed your kitchen and it's really easy and the customer wants Italian food, but you're still only able to produce hamburgers. So inward focus goals, we can take care of those things. We can address them. We can clean those up but they need to be done in context and reference to the customer, right? We've yeah. got to get outside of what's, I mean, I look at these initiatives, reorganizations or new bigger auditing teams and new QC. I and mean, what people tend to believe is that there's this indirect, in, intangible, implicit they, they, assumption that if this happens somehow down the stream, <laughs> down the road, even though we can't specifically say how or what it will do, it will somehow benefit the customer. I think there's this cascading effect. Yes. We all fall into this. If we can make our work lives better, mm-hmm. that will somehow translate into helping the customer. Yeah. And I'm all for making employees' lives work better. The question is, if you do that, if you reduce quote-unquote duplication of effort, which I hate that term, 
But let's say you do do that and they have more capacity. What are they going to do with it? And what limitation does it remove for the customer? And the idea of removing a limitation, it's a concept from Dr. Goldratt that value, real value is when you remove a significant limitation for your customer in a way that wasn't possible before. You give them a new capability that they didn't have. And if you can figure out how all your changes really remove that, great. But you know, you do a reorg and somehow you think that's removing a significant limitation for the customer, it's BS. I'm just gonna call it out. When I going, was going blind, creating a bunch of one-stops around this country was not the thing I needed. You know, I'm like dying on the vine. I needed skills, I needed a new mindset, and I needed opportunity. And a reorg maybe made it a little more convenient, quote unquote, improve the customer experience, but it did not remove a significant limitation for me. So, so I feel very strong about this, as you can tell. Oh, that's cool. Like, so, so, so it's possible to like accurately draw out a customer journey or you know like the customer going to do this 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 mm -hmm. and still have, remove a significant limitation the limitation like the mountain that the customer has to climb is still right in the middle of that journey mm -hmm. it's like maybe i get snacks along the way so my we're going to give you a sherpa and we're going <laughs> to and it can be a better experience i'm all for customer experience but you can have a great customer experience and still not remove the limitation go to a prison system Go into a prison system, go talk to people who have been in challenging environments raised by parents who were in the prison system and talk to me about what the limitation is there, right? I mean, those are significant limitations. How do you change habits, mindsets, perceptions? There's a lot of work right now now in trauma-informed care. What's the limitation for the prisoner? And then tell me how all the technology and all the training and all the stuff going on is removing that limitation for the prisoner. We have to put ourselves in the shoes of the customer and really ask, what's the inertia they're facing? What is it that they want to have and can't get because there's so much inertia in their lives or so many obstacles in their way? I think when you voice things like that, to me at least, it makes sense, but it seems the harder road to take it is a harder road i mean and it's like you're not i, I just yeah. see like so many leaders it seems like we we have this there's almost i think one of the videos you call it a knee-jerk reaction we can't have knee-jerk reactions but it seems like if somebody proposes something like the seductive seven and it seems like we're just we're just grasping we just want something to mm -hmm. improve the situation and the very first thing that that comes up it's like yes that'll work and boom let's move on and let's get yeah. this off the plate we versus, usually take oh. this we usually take the problem in front of us and we add things to try to compensate for the problem or we take the same process and we take away a few things like do a lean initiative and take away some waste and there's times and places for that i'm not you know there's a time and place for that but that doesn't necessarily directly explicitly impact or remove the limitation for the customer i mean take higher education i work in higher ed love love what i do love my students let's say you've got kids in a business school or a technology program why are they in higher ed yeah they want quality of life they want a meaningful job <clears throat> but they're going there they're paying the money their parents are paying the money they're taking out debt because they want to leave with a career and a job so we could take that fourth year and ask ourselves what's the limitation these students have well what do they want removed? What, what do they want to have and they can't have it? They want a job quickly that pays good money. That fourth year, often they're doing either internships or they're doing capstone projects, which are fine. 
What if that fourth year, I'm not saying this is the solution, but to really think about the limitation, instead of doing internship at Capstones, they could actually get a job. They could go out to the workplace and get a job. They're reducing their, they could have some supervision and some curriculum that they have to follow to, to document that they're learning at the job. But the higher education system could capture people before they leave because there's a lot of non-completers. You could get students to pay less tuition because they're not in class. They'd still pay some for supervision, but not as much. They have less debt and they're making money. Less debt, making money sooner. The business is getting employees, especially in markets where you've got deficiencies, IT, technology, right? They're always looking for good people. There's so many solutions, but we keep thinking more. We just add more of what we do, better capstone projects, all this stuff. Think of the student. What does the student want? How do we remove that? I'm not saying that's the solution, but when you put yourself in the in the students, you know, how do I remove debt? I don't want debt, and I want a job. How do I remove that for them? And I can have a nice customer journey, and I have a really great fourth year. That's fine, but that's not the significant limitation. That word significant, not a small, not a little dinky thing, not like we need more emojis on our phone. What's the significant limitation we need to remove for the people we serve? Yeah, I mean, it's good to remember he was a physicist, so he yeah. he was very precise with when he used terms like that, especially in a definition. He every word was significant, hand picked. Yeah, it matters. So you know, there's a lot of good work going out there, and I, I really do think you know there, there can be good work in customer journey and ex- customer experience, as if they're separate things. They're not. Like I see some write reports on this, like operations efficiency, budgets, customer experience, like they're separate things. IT, all this stuff, they're not. All of those are tools to do what? To remove the significant limitation for the customer. That's what they're there for. And if we can focus in and hone in on that one thing that can give a significant boost in the organization, all those tools can be great. Minus that, we are giving ourselves the illusion of progress. We're dinking around with websites. I'm sorry, I feel strong with this. We can have better websites. Great, easier to navigate. We have websites that are easier to navigate, but the major limitation for the business that's trying to register still exists, right? The question is, how do you actually remove the limitation for the business? That could be the state thinking about, wow, we really should become way better with our taxpayer dollars so we could have a significant reduction in tax burden for businesses and they can register in one step. Those are the limitations. A business wants to thrive. They want revenue and they need to hire people. How do you remove those limitations for them? So not easy. It's a harder path. It's easy to add. It's easy to tamper with. As Edward Deming would say, we tamper with things. But are we making a fundamental change? Or are we just dinking around? Sorry. You go. I think... uh, I have a I have a specific client in mind, a workshop you just did with that client. And this has actually come up with multiple clients now that I think about it. It's not just to them, but it's not uncommon for you to be brought in right before a big IT project is about to be launched. Mm-hmm. This is a seven or eight figure IT project investment. Mm-hmm. And you have like reviewed the requirements document. Or just talk to them about the mm-hmm. vision of the doc, vision of the project, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you'll be six or seven pages in, and there's no mention Mm-mm. of this. 
it's all inward focus like go mobile paperless duplication of effort connect with other systems and i get you have to have technical requirements go for it have your technical requirements but for what right that's what <laughs> yeah they, like you've, you've they, even said like there's i think there's been a there's a couple scenarios i'm thinking about where they're like wow like they have a whole different view of this when you're done we shouldn't in this country I'm going to be candid on this. We have Medicaid management information systems that cost billions of dollars, years to set up, and I know there's an effort to go on the cloud. But when you have a system that is 200 to $300 million and takes you five to 10 years to get up and running, that is a signal that is way too complex and we have missed the mark. With all of that, think of the opportunity cost. Think of what we could have done for customers in terms of access for low-income individuals. Think if you could take all the money spent on those systems, cut that in half and diverted it to the limitation. What's the, who's the, who's the customer, the patient, the low-income individual who doesn't have access to Medicaid? What's their limitation? Yes, we need a system where they can sign on and providers can get paid and providers can enroll. But when we are that complex, we have missed the mark. And we have got to step back and refute the idea of complexity absolutely abandon that as a concept and understand if put limitations around ourselves and make sure everything explicitly not maybe down the road long change of causality will make a difference for the final customer not in small ways not that it's easier now to apply for medicaid great we need that necessary but not sufficient right not saying you never do those things but at the end of the day what's the impact do you think What's we the get? Impact? Yeah. Do you think we get distracted by the transaction? Like there's the transaction in front of us. Like the, the we react to what we can see. It's like the iceberg. Ninety percent of the iceberg is underwater. We react to the ten percent. You know, customers are frustrated with websites. The IT systems going down. Our employees are overwhelmed with all the forms. I get it. Deal with those. But you deal with them in the context of how they remove a limitation for the customer. We need to actually, I've, I think I've talked about this before, it's by Chesterton, the essence of any art is the frame. We need to put limits around ourselves. We actually need limitations. Innovation happens within the limitation, not without them. And we put limitations on ourselves in the context of the customer. So I'm not saying this is the answer, but let's take the Medicaid example. If I know that I need to have 50% more of low-income individuals have access to healthcare, and I know that doctors and providers are key in providing that. And I'm making their lives worse with more overhead, more paperwork, more <laughs> reviews and everything. Yeah. And now I have an IT system that can track all of that overhead. What have we done? If I put limits on this and say, I will only pull 10% of a, a doctor's time into paperwork and all this stuff, I am forced as the administrator to be very focused and clear on what policies I'm letting into the system because I recognize I could be doing damage. It's not that I'm just not removing the limitation. I'm making it worse. So we have to be accountable. I, I'm sorry I feel so strongly about this, but complexity and all this stuff we do, when you look at the bottom line, are we serving more people? Are they significantly better off? Are the costs that much better? Not a 1% or 2% gain because we have an MCO in place, but in significant ways, we're missing the mark, and it's hard. I don't have all the answers here, and that's where the truth lies. Not in what we know, 
but in what we don't know. And do we have the courage to say we don't know and to go into that space and explore it? That's the way out. Not around the confusion, but through it. Um, and, and I think we can end with that. Well, I think, I think too, with like the healthcare example, like we actually are, even if you had that mindset, which I, I, th- I don't think a lot do about removing limitation, we are actually creating bigger limitations for the doctors mm-hmm. with all the paperwork and all the stuff that you just you just mentioned. So, and it's not that the people building the systems are bad, right? They're they're in their piece. They're doing what we call lo- local optimization. They're fixing their piece of the system. That's the hard work of doing this. Is that it takes leadership from the top to understand the system, all of its parts, how do the parts work together, how do they interact, and where do I focus to remove the limitation. The people in the system are working in the system the best they can. But good management and leaders go up and they look at how do all these pieces work together. And when you get to that level and you do not, you know, how many Kaizens can I perform, but where's the system, where's the biggest focus area in the system, that's where we have some possibility of a breakthrough so that's very good yeah you know i was i we just started posting this on linkedin but if we if we're comfortable in what we're doing it's because we're familiar with it and if we're familiar with something it's because we already have knowledge and experience and if we keep making decisions based off of where we already have existing knowledge and experience we're going to keep getting the same results right I love Einstein's quote, I use it all the time, we can't solve problems at the same level of understanding we had it was created. So if we, one way to get out of this and create new knowledge is really to step back and put ourselves in the shoes of the customer and ask ourselves, what's impeding them? What's the limitation? What do they want and they can't get? What is the big problem? That Not a small dinky problem, not because they don't have a certain new emoji that they need. Significant limitation that's not letting them move forward. And if we can start to get clear on that and clarity on that one thing, it's not easy and all the work you have to do to remove it will be hard. But we can either spend our time and energy on the illusion of progress or really slow down and think deeply about what we're doing. You can actually frustrate your customer when you ignore, when you like, when you give them the different type of emojis, (laughs) but, but you miss some totally other big thing and you're like, then your customers like they don't even get it. They're like mm-hmm. they're they're missing mm-hmm. the main you know the main value that we're trying to get or the main problem yeah. that we're having. Yeah, and you know you can still have a good customer experience and you know great. I had a good customer experience. I feel satisfied. And sometimes I, I love the quote Ford. If I surveyed people on what they wanted, they'd say faster horses for faster buggies, not a car. It's Steve Jobs, same thing. He didn't survey people to figure out the iPhone. I'm not saying surveys aren't fine. They're fine, you know, use them because you want to see where customer complaints are. And that may expose some of their limitations. But sometimes we're so used to living with the limitations that we have that we just accept them as a given. And it, we, we can't even see them. And there's tools and tricks we use in the world of theory of constraints and the space of innovation to really unleash and see these different limitations because they're not always very obvious and if you're competing on what's obvious probably haven't found the limitation so when i see a lot of organizations doing the same thing and nothing's in a big way changing it's it's just we haven't found discovered the limitation i you know again going blind i my limitations you know you live with and then when you see options around braille or things like that 
you start to see that these are limitations I don't have to live with, you know, and you don't even know that you don't have to live with them because we just, you know, we just sort of like, you know, the, the idea of what all the frogs getting boiled, or the crabs getting boiled in the water, you know, we um, just slow boil and we don't even know. So but this is also not very obvious sometimes too. Sorry. So, yeah, so this is also an opportunity because if you are benchmarking against your competitors Mm-hmm. And no other one, states and yeah, other states or other whatever, and no one has this breakthrough, this like idea of okay, our main thing here is to remove a limitation, right? And mm-hmm. and if if all of your competitors are thinking our main thing is to make our work lives as comfortable as possible, and just hope that that cascades to the customer somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I mean, I think they believe it. I don't think it's like people are, you know, they, they're sincere, right? Yeah, they're yeah. sincere. But if you if you could adopt that, you know, Doctor yeah. Goldratt's mindset. Yeah, don't benchmark against everyone. Why would you do that? Right. Everyone's like benchmarking against everyone. I mean, I understand that's a nice reference point, but if you're like, let's take the private sector, you're benchmarking across costs. What you're, the cost is? It's a nice reference point. If everybody's product is twenty dollars and gives you a reference point, but remember the last part of his definition is to remove a significant limitation in a way that wasn't possible before. It is difficult for your competition to replicate. Everyone can slash prices. It's not innovation. Your competition can replicate that. In government, you want business and you're just going to increase the amount of incentives you give out. Every state can do that. You just are competing. It's a race to the bottom. And so we just copy each other. We all go to the same conferences and then we benchmark each other. And that, you know, I'm like, look, if there's a company that has a massive breakthrough, learn what they did. You know, learn their thought process and how they did it. You know, learn the process, but benchmark against where your customer wants you to be, not where other organizations are. Yeah. So one of the main things I'm getting out of this is to make sure what you're doing is like directly traceable back to this customer's primary value, primary mm-hmm. problem, mm-hmm. and and don't try to just assume. That's it, there's some tangential mm-hmm. association, some cascading effect that you can't put your finger on, but you just hope is there. Like yeah, this implicit idea. Okay, if I do a reorganization, somehow the customer's better off. Tell me how. And they'll say, well, they only have to go to one place now to get services, one website. That's the innovation. Fine, I'm mean, like do that, but the real issue is on the back end. Why are there five different programs and five funding streams in the first place? Yeah. What are all those things removing? But what if you just did that really well over and over again? You know, like, mm. <clears throat> I don't know if this is lore, but supposedly Jeff Bezos was meeting with Warren Buffett and he said, you know, your approach to just value investing is just so smart. Like, you know, why don't, why doesn't everybody do it? And he, he's reportedly said it because not everybody wants, like, no one wants to get rich slowly, mm-hmm. but it totally works. What he does mm-hmm. totally works. But, it's not. It's boring. It's not crypto. It's not fancy. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, it's like in, in a similar vein. If if you just like kept focused, what you're on, what you're saying on remove limitation this year, mm-hmm. next year let's remove a limitation. Next year let's mm-hmm. remove a limitation. And you just like centered everything around that. Mm-hmm. Like within a very short period of time, you're you've outdistanced your competitors by quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Again, benchmark against where your customer wants you to be. Not against other organizations. That's a race to the bottom, from my perspective, and you know, especially in the world of government, it's 
it's what can you do? What capability can you provide that your competition isn't delivering right now and isn't even aware of? So, so we're at about the 24 minute mark yep. here. So, so let's, let's not go into the other ones. I want to just mention, so th- this, th- this was one of them, but there was yeah, also inward focus. like thinking too small. Thinking too small. Yeah. So, you know, first we were very inward focused. That's what this one is. Sometimes we just think too small and then we just add, we add to a system that's already very complex. And a lot of this you're here in the world of TOC, we talk about inertia. And there's inertia of organizations too that make it difficult for us to do this. We're then you know we have policies and measures in place that are really blocking the organization from doing the right thing for the customer. But those are for future episodes. So anyway, thanks everyone for letting me be so passionate about this topic. I I've just felt this and I have lived it. And I again I can't say it enough to live in a country where I had a safety net. And I'm grateful for that, the support I had and trying to figure out, you know, how could I work and all that. But it was mentors that came into my life that changed my life, not the bureaucracy. And and there was great people there. But with all the money spent and the case management systems and new legislation and all this stuff that happened, none of that touched my limitation as I was going blind. And I think because you manage the budget at, at the macro level, you know there, there is, even though these are big numbers, there is only so much. There is only so much. And There's only so much. Every everything we're wasting and all of this time that we're well, spending. Yeah. It, it just, I th- final thing on this, you know, debates in the country between different political parties, reduce spending, add more money. I think really the question is not spent, cut money, or spend more money. It's, are we spending the money on the right thing? Usually my experience in government is there's just so much hidden capacity that we can do so much more with the money we have if we know where to focus. And the so much more translates into people, like into services they need. And you've been a recipient of that as a, a you know mm-hmm. young teen going blind and needing some help. And, and you see what that's like when that's not forthcoming. Well, it, and it's not. It's not. It's just effective, and it's not. There's just yeah. And I, I have to. Just, I know we keep saying we interrupt this up, but I have to say I'm, again, I'm just so grateful for having that. That I look, you know, as a blind person, I have additional expenses, right? You know, I there's just different month costs that I have. My technology tends to be more expensive. You know, transportation Uber is more expensive if I use that. You know, I have somebody come help me organize my clothes. Not every, well, you don't need that. You can braille your clothes, but my schedule's crazy busy and I just don't have time for that. And I look at how so many blind people who aren't employed and haven't, you know, but for the grace of God, I've been really just fortunate in my life, are living off so little money. And we're grateful. I'm grateful that we have that. But how do you get out of that? How do you prosper? How do you buy a wardrobe? How do you buy support to help you figure out, you know, you go to a residential training program, you learn all this, but even if you come out of that and you've got the skills, but you're just scraping by to figure out how to get to work and get a purpose, you know, help somebody make sure when you go to the store, it's the clothes you want to get the good interview. And you're on such a tight budget. I think what's the limitation for these people? How do they get out of that? Now they have a safety net. It's great. And we do all these things like ticket to work and you know programs that incentivize people to try to test work and all that, and that's fine. But I think even in our programs about helping people get back into the workplace, there are just limitations we're missing because we are overly focused on the cost side. 
But we don't understand that if we don't remove the limitation, we can have a lot of people, for example, on social security disability that are going to be there for a very long time because it's so hard to get out of it. Because if you get out and you fell, it's really hard to get back in. So the fear of leaving the system and, and losing your safety net is pretty big. So you're going to long run. Imagine if you gave people prosperity, that you gave them abundant, not you know crazy money, but enough in their paycheck or in their, in their disability benefit to actually be able to do the things they need to do in life. Hire a reader, for example. You know, those cost money. Having a, a braille printer, and these things just cost money. You can have vocational rehabilitation, stuff like that will help purchase some of it, but I don't know. I just, I think we get so short-sighted. We just can keep funding people forever in perpetuity on social security, disability income, knowing that most people never get off of it. And in situations like that, when you have just chronic issues, pretty stagnant movement, despite all your initiatives and change, maybe you have a little incremental group, you know, now 5% get off versus 2%. We, we have to step back and think, have we removed the limitation? If the problem persists in a big way, the outcome you want just hasn't moved the needle in big ways. It's not about customer satisfaction surveys and all that. You can have people on social security disability saying they're very satisfied with how good the administration is to them. They respond, they give them good paperwork, the forms are easy, great. But if we aren't getting many, many, many people out of that system and employed, we haven't solved the problem for these people and we're spending billions on it so hard I'm not saying I have the answers to all this but what I am saying there is a process out there in the world of theory of constraints that helps us think about these issues more deeply and we need we need to get this we need to think harder about these most chronic problems that are facing our citizens in our country so with that I will wrap up well that's very good you know, you, you say you don't have all the answers, but I do think Dr. Goldratt gave us the right questions. Yeah. And I think there's a, you know, there's a series, there's a sequence of thinking tools that can get you from the question, the right question, step by step by step into mm-hmm. these solutions yeah. that really do, that really are breakthroughs. Yeah. So anyway, thanks for everyone listening to my passion. It's just, you can tell it's all on my mind lately. No, that's wonderful. And uh, we hope everyone is doing well. And so until next time. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you everybody for listening. And uh, thank you for um, subscribing. If you're not already, I encourage you to subscribe so you get the the new episode as soon as it comes out. And uh, we will see you again here in a couple of weeks. Thanks everybody.